0: The 2018 NFL season is finally here. And with mybookie.ag, it makes betting easier than ever play, win, and most importantly, get paid. MyBookie.ag has been the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast since our inception. And truthfully, I wouldn't trust my money anywhere else. For new customers, enter promo code SGP100 for a 100% deposit bonus for new customers. And if you need a reload, SGP reload is the promo code for a 50% reload bonus for all existing customers. We're also brought to you by Oddshark. Get tips, picks, as well as editorial data-driven content that you cannot find and will not find anywhere else. Lastly, we are brought to you by BetQL With the 2018 NFL and NCAA season upcoming. Get all the tools that you need to beat Vegas at the palm of your hand. Go to betql.co to download the app today. Happy Monday, Degenerates. Today is Monday, August 27th, and welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. For this week's episode, we are talking all things 2018 NFL futures with a very special guest, Monique of Covers and America's Best Racing. I'm sure if you've ever heard uh, any podcast I've done before or the Sports Gaming Podcast crew as a whole, you've heard her talk on the Kentucky Derby, any of the major horse racing events. She is the go-to person for anybody um, doing anything in the space, and everything she's doing is so incredible. The um, reason we chose her is, is essentially she specializes in props. Um, if you haven't checked out her Twitter, at Parlay ParleyQueen, uh, she posts a Pick 6 video column, essentially a vlog every single week for Covers.com, detailing her six weekly best prop bets for the NFL season each and every week, and it is an absolutely invaluable tool for your handicapping. So we extended that out. We chose to do uh, essentially... A couple of season win totals, miscellaneous player props, AFC-NFC, Offensive-Defensive Rookie of the Year, as well as our thoughts as kind of the 2018 uh, season from a future's perspective philosophically as a whole. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview. And again, this is Monique of Covers.com and America's Best Racing. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast, the one and only, I feel like your your Twitter name at Parley Queen should maybe read uh, Prop Queen because much like me, that is kind of the edge that I think that is kind of one of the softer markets uh, within the NFL. Um, and I'm sure everyone that is listening to this has seen kind of your work on covers as well as America's Best Racing, but the pick six that you do, um, kind of detailing the best props week in and week out. Um, so let's kind of start there as a broad overview before we kind of dive into the futures market uh, for the 2018 NFL season um, and kind of, Uh, detail kind of why you find that props are kind of more, um, you know, the market is a little bit softer and there's maybe more of an edge to to have than regular season, you know, uh, win totals, or I'm sorry, not regular season, um, you know, spread sides, totals, all that type of good stuff.
1: Yeah, I just find with props, you can really figure out what it is you like and you're not limited to just, you know, picking a side or a total, you have a lot of discrepancy in what you're choosing. And I love that there are so many games, so many different sides to the game. Like you can be totally right on one particular player, but be totally completely wrong about the game state and still cash your bet. Um, and yeah, like you were saying, they're a lot less competitive of the lines. And when you go from uh, book to book or site to site, you can really notice a discrepancy a lot of the time. So with that, you could take advantage of that. And if you get lucky and you end up catching uh, a total before a player is. If a player's questionable, for example, um, you can catch one of those lines earlier. Um, if someone's not supposed to be playing the game and ends up playing, you can cash in on the over or under if you like that. So there's a lot of different things you can do with props, especially the earlier you bet. And conversely, the later you bet too. Um, it's not really going to have as much movement in terms of the total or the juice on it. So I like that, that it's fairly consistent. And uh, for me, when I'm doing something like that, I like to make my own total beforehand and then compare to what i see is given as a total
0: yeah for sure and there's so many different ways that you can kind of handicap this right you know the the parallel is kind of power numbers right so it, from a fantasy perspective this is where kind of the biggest parallel is, is always drawn in daily fa- the biggest difference in when people kind of bet daily fantasy you know quote-unquote professionally versus players who play props the the difference is you know There's no limit on what you can win when you really, really win a prop, right? Let's say somebody's prop is at, you know, 50 receiving yards and they get... 203 touchdowns. The only thing that's kind of, you know, downside to this is you're kind of capped at what your wager is, say it's 500,000, sure. whatever it is. In the daily fantasy community, the reason that they are kind of, from everyone that I've talked to, the reason that they're gravitated towards that is when you really nail something, there's no kind of cap uh, on what you can win. You know, um, you know thousands, hundreds of thousands dollars up for grabs in all these different tournaments and stuff. Um, but to me, I completely echo the sentiment of that props is, I you know, at this point, I probably play 65% of my bets are props. And it's just... There's so many um you know modeling is the wrong word, right, but there's so many ways to kind of handicap a player, and it doesn't really matter the team and you know how the team does that day, but on the other side of that game script, I think can be so important you know if a team is favored by you know fourteen points, they're likely going to be running the ball to end the game, which is where you can kind of look at uh the running backs uh for to go over their type of props you know there's specific- specific ones that were just the market is very slow to catch up to these, um, you know, last year, Adam Thielen's props were consistently lined at like 55 receiving yards and was just an over, over machine. And then you look at that (laughs) conversely, um, the years before that, you know, Le'Veon Bell, David uh, Johnson, his catches out of the backfield were started to be lined at like two and a half, three while they were catching five, six. And then it took, you know, 10, 11 weeks for these markets to catch up. Um, why do you think it is that they're so slow to kind of catch up on that type of stuff?
1: I think it's a lot harder to predict when you're setting a line. I think it's tough. You can only really go by the stats that are given. Um, Otherwise, everyone would just be taking the under or the over. So I think they have to make it purely stats well not purely stats based but primarily stats based because at the end of the day like a lot of people are just breaking these down based purely on numbers they're not looking at matchups or they're not looking at what like more I, I would say hardcore people are looking you're looking at matchups you're looking at personal things you're looking at incentives and I think a lot of that isn't really factored in so I feel like because of that the line's not really going to be moving that much and also people are really slow in uh, betting props like like you said how long it took for them to catch up with Adam Thielen. Like those are the line makers and the people betting it as well. Like it's a lot tougher and I think it requires a lot more intricate knowledge of the sport to really tell someone, you know, Hey, you could, on a particular player, I think you really got to know the sport and you really got to be confident in your analysis on it to bet that. Whereas when you're just picking, you know, a money line wager or a spread, you don't really have to know. You can play trends, but when you're picking a particular player, it's very often it's a wide receiver that just completely gets shut down. And it's really discouraging the first couple times when you don't really consider everything and that unfortunately ends up having happening to you or your player gets injured. So that's also something that is tough, especially if that happens to someone who's playing props for the first time. It's tough to get back on that train if that unfortunate circumstance happens to you.
0: Yeah, there's so many different ways to break this down. And again, when you talk about kind of professionals versus uh, the regular public, you know, it, it, it's even more next level to dig into kind of player props. But I, I will say, um, you know, for people I've known it, within the industry, the sharpest of players within the NFL play a majority of props. Um, and one thing I've noticed is majority of the time uh, it's unders. It's, you know, Josh Norman was and Richard Sherman were absolutely fantastic. Patrick Peterson in the slot. There's certain things you can kind of pick out and pro football focus is so good at this and kind of uh, giving, you know, specific cornerbacks grades, whether it be a slot player, a slot defensive back or an outside corner. Um, and you can kind of, you know, play it that way if it's a quote unquote, you know eighty six, you know, rated corner in patrick peterson going up against a slot corner um that's you know rated lower i think that there's a lot of value in playing the unders in those type of situations and I, i've noticed a lot of professionals are, are more gravitated towards the unders especially on prime times uh, when those numbers are more inflated because again as always the general public is always going to look towards to get the um the over is there um of course. Yeah. have you kind of noticed yourself playing more overs or unders in that type of in those uh, situations for player props you know receivers running backs that type of stuff or is it just kind of wherever you find an edge
1: you know, I, I, do, I do tend to agree with that. I find myself playing a lot more unders. I feel um, a lot of the time with particular players, like the marquee players, for example, they'll always be set at a total that's a lot higher than maybe if you'd break down the numbers statistically what they'd be set at. And a lot of that is due to, you know, being the Patriots, for example, and pretty much everyone's favorite team that's a casual fan. And the names that people gravitate to, people... I tend to find when I'm looking through the lines, those tend to be higher. So I do find myself betting a lot of the um, a lot of the unders, and I find that when you see the line, whether it be like minus one twenty or plus 100 I tend to find there's more value in that on the under and I think that is partly due to the public you know wanting to cheer for a lot of offense and people not really liking those games that end up nine nine three final score whereas you can make so much money on those games which you mm-hmm. think are going to be a pure defensive matchup.
0: I know it, you know, people, I forget what game it was like the game that ended three, nothing. It was like the 49ers and the Rams, like two years ago. And people were saying this was the worst game they ever. And, you know, for me having like a first half under bet, I'll always remember this. Like to me, it was just <laughs> watching football, gambling porn and the like, people were just out yeah. there up in arms and like, you know, not everything comes down to offense. And I get that that's kind of where the league is going. Um, but I think there's a lot of value, you know, with these inflated spots, especially on primetime for these marquee receivers, you just have to do, it's a different type of handicap. Again, I keep going back to pro football focus, um, and however you, you know, handicap a specific type of player and game script and all that. Um, but let's kind of make the transition into season long props. Um, I want to touch on kind of what your philosophy is. Um, you know, uh, in terms of kind of, do you play a lot of them? Because, you know, nobody wants to tie up their bankroll for, for 16, 17, 18 weeks of the season. A lot of these are fluid, both in the college and the NFL market, but some of them kind of will shut down, especially, um, season one totals, obviously, although some books do offer adjusted ones or they offer them at half, uh, the kind of halfway point of the year at week eight, they uh, give out a, an adjusted number. Um, do you kind of play a lot of futures or are you props mainly, um, just week to week based?
1: i mainly week to week. Like you said, I just don't like having my bankroll tied up in it. I mean, if there's a lot of value in it, if I can get like plus 450 on something, which is never going to happen, of course I would do that. But, you know, I I find there are a lot, you could really break it down. If you break it down on a game to game basis and create your own totals on how many receiving yards you think someone's going to score per game, you can really get a good um, indication of or projection on what you think they're going to have at the end of the season. But there are a lot of different factors that really don't come into consideration. Like the team may be have uh, the team, for example, could have first place locked up already and then rest their players for the last week of the season. Um, a lot of the time your player can get injured. Um, it, it's it's tough. It's, it's a lot tougher. And it's a lot, I'd say a lot more. I guess right, the same thing could obviously happen in game to game, but I think you have a little bit more control when you can see how a team has been playing. So w- there's always going to be those surprise teams, those teams that outperform their their projections and play better than expectations. And those are something that maybe you think your running back is going to get. Let's say. 40 yards in the game and he ends up getting 120 because of injuries due to the other team's defense. Those are things that you can pick up on midway through the season. But if you lock in a future early on, you're kind of just stuck with it. And there is no option to cash out for the most part. Um, When they do offer it again, if it gets taken down and it comes back up, potentially you could take a a big loss, but at least you don't lose everything. But they're not really going to offer you a, a cash out, which I find... Valuable or anything like that, so I tend to play it more on a weekly basis when I have a better understanding of how teams are playing and particular players are
0: performing. Yeah, for sure. And you know, when you talk about cash out, prop swap has kind of changed the game in Las Vegas. And the fact that you can kind of cash out—I mean, they're so in depth with what they offer now. I mean, if you have a, a, you're sitting on an over, you know, say 79 yards rushing ticket, and they have 60 at halftime, um, you can call prop swap at halftime or or whenever. You know, they'll do it live for you, um, and you can kind of. Uh, you can sell that ticket for a profit. So there are different ways. I believe PropSwap swap is legal in um, twenty five, like twenty twenty five states now um, within the United States. And then obviously Europe has um, their different cash out options as well. And does Canada have a um, have one of those available?
1: Yeah, we have. Uh, usually on our books, like Bet Three Six Five, as a really good cash out option. A lot of the time, you know, you, you're you're looking at it and you're like, okay the bets pretty much won at this point and they'll offer you maybe a couple hundred bucks off your potential profit or if you're betting smaller, it wouldn't make that big of a difference. But yeah, there are those options, but I'm kind of a firm believer. I guess I'm old school in this. Like I just want to hedge if I'm live to a big bet and I'm really, really concerned about it. Like whether it be a a season total or mostly I'm only really hedging futures when I'm getting great odds on it. But you know, you, you do have the option to hedge, which, I find is a little bit more fair than something like prop swap, where, you know, they're a business they're trying to make money. They're not going to offer you the best option. But, you know, if you do have a future that's live and you are concerned, you could even do that and hedge. So something, having something like that available is good. And I guess it would, well, for me personally, it instills more confidence on taking a couple of flyers or long shots because you do have that option that if you're live towards the end of the season – i.e. the Vegas Golden Knights, a lot of people made so much money just cashing out their tickets. And I mean, they got dominated in the finals, but they had an incredible run. And I saw some tickets personally that were just, you know, amazing, amazing odds. And just having the option to have a profit just by taking a flyer on a team that overperformed. I mean, it's awesome. And it's great to have that.
0: Yeah, there's two schools of thought, right? One is the teams are always going to overachieve and then things are inevitably kind of going to go wrong. There's going to be injuries. Um, and so it's it's what side of the fence do you want to sit on? Do you want to have, you know, do you want to have a ticket when things go wrong or do you want to kind of be bullish on a team when things go right? Um, so I think that's a great transition point. So let's kind of dig into um, some of these season win totals. Again, all of these are courtesy of mybookie.ag. So let's kind of dive in. We'll do a couple each um, that we kind of think uh, provide some value uh, within the 2018 regular season wins market. So I'll let you um, take it away first with your first team, either over or under.
1: There were three that really stood out to me and they're actually, they're all unders. Uh, I noticed there's actually the more, when I first did them, I noticed a lot of them, most of them for the most part were minus 130, minus 120, which I mean kind of sucks, but one of them ended up moving to plus 100 on the under. So, I mean, I, I really don't follow the preseason and I don't hold much weight to the preseason, but I'm feeling pretty good about a couple of them. But the first one I landed on, which is probably my favorite are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers under six and a half and i really like this one so when i'm doing something like season win totals i really like to break it down on a game to game basis so i like to look at the games which i think they can win and then the games i think they'll struggle at so obviously i have a couple games which i feel like they should win but i'm not going to i mean I, I i'm completely not under the philosophy that there are anything like possible as a lock. Like, I think there are things that are close to them, but there is no lock. So, at the end of the day, the games I think they can win are versus the Browns at Bengals, versus Redskins at Giants, versus 49ers and at Ravens. Now, when I'm looking at their schedule, they have a pretty tough schedule. Uh, they're going to be playing the first three weeks of the season at Saints versus Eagles and then uh, versus the Steelers. So, I think they can very easily start the season out 0 3. And I think that their games, which are tough, are pretty much losses for them. So unless they can somehow get a couple of those going their way, I think the games they're going to lose are going to way outweigh the games they win. And even the games I'm on the fence on about, if they do win, I feel like there's an 0-3 start in the future for them.
0: Yeah, 100%. And a season-long prop that I think offers some value as first coach to be fired in Dirk Cutter. Um, When that suspension came out, it, it dropped, his odds dropped dramatically. And that's another one that there's two schools of thoughts on right like with Todd Bowles last year where um you start a rookie or you start a different quarterback um you know some people feel that that buys you some time and that you know you're not necessarily supposed to do well when you kind of give up on the season or you try trying to get a rookie some run um so I don't know if that suspension kind of helps or hurts them now that he has that built-in excuse um but yeah Tampa I mean uh, everything has gone wrong um are you a believer in Winston long term
1: I think they're stuck with him. I don't think they have much of a choice yeah. at this point, but uh, you know, you do make a good point on that with the coach, but it's one of those things where they've been a team that their expectations have been fairly high. They're not obviously going to be a Super Bowl contender, but they should be making the playoffs with the roster they have. And they've been so underperforming. And I think, I think it's another year that they're just going to disappoint. And I really don't find anything to lead me to believe the other way that they're going to be overperforming as much as I'd, like that I mean I really like Mike Evans but at the end of the day they have a lot of problems
0: yeah a thousand percent and again Evans probably you know top five in the, in the league in talent and they just they can't put it all together and you know is it a coaching thing is it not but I absolutely love that in the under um with Tampa Bay um for my first one I'm gonna go with an over here which is something usually I don't do but I think there's a lot of value in this number and that's Baltimore Ravens over eight at minus 130. Baltimore to me is always a team that they never, when they're expected to be bad, they do well. When they're expected to be good, they do bad. Um, and so this number at eight, I think the worst case scenario here is a push. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when that's your kind of floor, I think that that offers a ton of value as you know, a quote unquote free roll. Uh, Joe Flacco is, you know, being pushed out the door almost as, you know, being the highest paid quarterback for so long. Obviously, Lamar Jackson in the first round and even RG3 there. The future is laid out and it doesn't involve uh, Joe Flacco. When you invest a first round pick, I think that makes it very clear. Um, That's kind of the situation that happened with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. And that's, you know, the case that, that was shown. Um, but to me, I, I think, if anything, um, money is an incredible motivator. And I think that Joe Flacco, for all of his faults, I think the defense is still in the upper half of the league. Um, and the division, it, it always kind of plays out that these division games, you can kind of always throw the spread out, right? The unwritten rule in the uh, AZ North is kind of throw the spread out and always take the dog if it's three and a half and over. <laughs> and, you, and you're going to sure. end up, <clears throat> you know, it's a winning proposition long term. Um, and to me, you know this number probably should be eight and a half. Um I, I just think that they're always going to split the in that division. and so that's always, you know, four wins. and I think they they have a very soft. Uh, the uh, out of conference schedule for the year. Um, so I'm gonna go over uh, with a motivated Joe Flacco to seek out that next contract and probably get overpaid again. What's next for you?
1: <laughs> I do like that one. I like the option to push, and I mean they had a nine win season last year. So I mean I, I definitely like you with that one. But I mean minus one thirty, and I, I'm on the under train, so <laughs> can't Don't get on board you. with that one. But I, I do like that. Um, my second one would be the Denver Broncos under seven and a half.
0: Ooh, contrarian. I like it. A lot of people on the Denver uh, bandwagon with Case Keenum. Tell me about it.
1: I know they are. I just think they have a super, super tough schedule. Like looking at the games, I think they're going to lose versus Seahawks, versus Raiders, versus Rams, versus Steelers, at Raiders, and versus Chargers. Now those are some tough games. And their wins... A lot of their wins are going to have to come on the road, I would say, especially in the tougher games. Uh, A lot of people are really on them, you're right. And I did notice they were an interesting one. Um, Didn't really move that much, but it's at minus 105 for the under. Just not a believer. I think they definitely regressed. I think their defense is still there. They definitely have improvements now on their defense. Um, You have Vaughn Miller, which sky's the limit with him. But I just think they're going to struggle to put up the points. And I think in the close games, if you're backing a team that's not really going to put up the points, it, it's tough. It's tough to get over that win total. And I think 7.5 is, is a fair total. What do I have them at? I have them at about 6. So not really much wiggle room which I tend to find with a lot of these totals, they're they're pretty spot on. Like when you do your projections, if you do them that way, you're going to find that they're pretty close. So if you do find one, which you find a major discrepancy, obviously bet that, but it's it's going to be close. But I do think they have a lot of tough games and I'd say not sure losses, but... I would lean more towards maybe a 70-30 and a loss to win if I were to set it at that. So they're going to have a really tough schedule. I think they're going to struggle. Obviously, it's hard to play in Denver, but I just think they'll struggle to put up points at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, Keenum to me has been, um, I've been on him since his days at Houston when he was covering absolutely everything. Him and Colt Brennan were, were college football gods before Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel came along. Denver, to me, again you know, top five, probably home field advantage in the league. And something that was underrated that they did is they got acquired Marquette King. And when you put that type of leg in the altitude of mile high, I mean, he's going to make those, he's going to make that type of stuff look at like Coors field. Um, And again, am I here to say that special teams is going to play a huge factor in their win total? No, probably not. Um, I am a, a, a kind of a kingdom truther in that um, and to me uh, <laughs> I would lean towards the end of here but to me I just don't feel that there's anything um, it's not strong enough for me to bet but that plus 140 under seven is, is absolutely great value for the um, plus money for this next one I'm gonna go I'm gonna go on a little bit of a tie rate here because I do it every single year and there is no more hype team than the Cleveland Browns um, <laughs> so I
1: knew it was coming
0: yeah so okay everyone is on this team based on hard knocks of course right and even before hard knocks you know that was kind of the second wave of public money Coming in to back this team. Number one, the Cleveland Browns have a better; uh, they're statistically more likely to win the division based off mybookie.ag and everywhere in Las Vegas than the Cincinnati Bengals. The Browns are seven to one, and the Bengals are eight to one, and that to win the division. And that is just absolutely insane to me. When you really break this down, and people, it's a whole new team. They've covered four games in two years. They've won one game out of their last thirty-three, um, whatever it is. What has so you know? Let's look at what has changed to make people kind of all over this team quarterback deshaun kaiser was the worst quarterback in football last year he single handedly probably did blow about two to three covers but that's what the browns do so you, you kind of you ring in tyrod taylor so i will grant you tyrod taylor is a serviceable quarterback in the nfl his ceiling nine and seven which he showed with buffalo what you know okay drivers landry as well josh gordon is back josh gordon has been back and they have still gone under their season win total no sweat for a number of years um What is it about this team based on Tyrod Taylor and Jarvis Landry uh, that has gotten people so – you know, people are acting like this is a whole new team – and I understand that Baker Mayfield's there, but Baker, you can't have both. Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor aren't going to be on the field. So, which one are you excited about? Um, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, this to me is where you look at alternative totals when you really feel you have this. Uh, a the different offshore book, Five Dimes um, in the U.S. offers alternative lines. So, to me, Cleveland Browns under six and a half minus one forty. And I know that's a little bit of juice, but I'm that to me is the safest bet on this board is Cleveland Browns under six and a half minus one forty via Five Dimes. And I'm even. It's going to sound a little counterproductive, but to me, I'm in even go under the alternative win total, which is under five, uh, under five and a half, which was plus two, I'm sorry, under four and a half at plus two sixty. I think is also worth a look there.
1: Ooh, that's, that's wow. That's <laughs> ambitious. I like, yep. I like that. What
0: are your thoughts on the hard knock version of the Cleveland Browns this year and why people are all about this team?
1: I don't know. I, I guess it's just. The underdog story. I guess it's just that they are improving. They're one of those teams which everyone's projecting zero wins. That they go literally winless for the past couple of years, and they have improved. Um, I don't think anyone's come on to be the savior. I don't really. I don't really see much changing. They're one of those teams where, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you can handicap a bad team. I guess if you just think they're going to be bad and continue to play bad.
0: Is Jarvis Landry and Tyrod Taylor with six wins? I mean, not to mention no. the, the juice on this no. is to go over five and a half, you want to lay minus one thirty-five on the Cleveland Browns?
1: <laughs> you know what? I don't know. I maybe it's something I missed, an article I missed, or someone's opinion that <laughs> came out on that. I I always feel that way when I look at this. I'm like, what don't I know? <laughs> but I yeah, I I definitely personally wouldn't um to be honest, they're one of those teams I just switch the channel on yeah I agree. <laughs> they're hard it's there's no one there there's well there's been no one there that I've been you know on board with following for props and just it, it's tough a, a win win projection like that like I, I don't see how they can go over six and a half but
0: a lot of people do so <laughs> completely agree <laughs> and I one. I still don't get it all right what's your last two I'm sorry your last um, one my
1: last yeah uh Miami Dolphins under six and a half wins Now, this is uh, an interesting one. The chalk is on the over. Uh, I think they have a lot of tough, tough, tough games, a lot of tough road games, too. I think they can win uh, quite a few, actually. I think they can win at Cincinnati versus Chicago versus Lions versus Jets. I think they'll struggle in a lot of them. They have a lot of really tough games versus Raiders at Patriots at Houston at Green Bay and Minnesota versus Jacksonville versus New England. And they have a really tough schedule. Um, and I don't know how Ryan Tannehill is going to be. They were one of those teams where they had a really good year in 2016. Uh, 2017, their season was essentially over less than a month before it began with the injury to his ACL. And one of those teams that they're trying to improve on the defense. Um, I don't know how how that's going to bode for them, and I just don't know. There's a lot of question marks with this team in particular. I think when it's a team that I really can't give a lot of confidence to, and even those games which they should win winning, it's just it's so unpredictable when you have a quarterback that's coming back from such, such a serious injury. You just don't know mobility is going to be an issue, protection is going to be an issue. You just really don't know. And I think there's a lot of value in taking the plus 100 for that And night. To be honest, I really don't know why the chalk is on the over. I think with a tough schedule and unpredictability, it's, it's very tough to get those seven wins to lose that bet.
0: Yeah, and... This, I, I feel like people are kind of divided on this team. I've heard some people say that this is a two to three win team, you know, potentially with the number one pick in the upcoming draft. And I've heard people say that they're they're likely to slide into that number two slot with Ryan Tannehill. I think the mobility that you touched on with Tannehill is such a big part of his game that people really don't take into account. And you've seen this injury kind of cripple mobile quarterbacks. Um, obviously RG3 comes to mind, um, but Tannehill Maybe outside of Aaron Rodgers is kind of, um, you know, in Big Ben is, is more in the extending play category than the mobile uh, category of, you know, what Deshaun Watson or RG3 um, back in the day, but... Uh, I'm with you on this. Uh, The AFC, especially the AFC East. um, I mean, you have to have New England twice. They always play them tough in that second, uh, the December game uh, when it's you know hot and New England always uh, has to travel there. Traditionally, that's a great spot. Um, ATS, not necessarily outright, although they did win outright last year there. Um, But to me, I'm not getting in bed with Ryan Tannehill. So uh, I completely agree with you on that one.
1: They also have Frank Gore. So that's another one of those, like how (laughs) many more years is he going to be relevant? I mean, he is an ageless wonder. He's been fantastic the last couple of years. I can't knock them for that, but it's one of those things where you know, backing a thirty, a team with a thirty-five-year-old running back that just lost Jarvis Landry, it's it's tough. They have Cameron Wake defensively, great, but you know, I don't know how they're going to put those, put those points on the boards and get those wins. Especially like you were saying, like they're, they're playing the Patriots twice. So good luck with that.
0: Yeah. I completely agree with you. All right. So that'll let's, um, we'll wrap up season win totals. Let's move on to offensive rookie of the year. And this to me, this is kind of where you find the uh, you know, value with Kamara winning it last year. Um, Traditionally, Rookie of the Year, much like Heisman or MVP, is something that I kind of only allow myself to bet quarterbacks. I just feel like it's such a slanted kind of award. Um, but this has the, been the one where that you can kind of find um, position players that routinely do win this award. So let's just run down this. Saquon Barkley, the favorite, at plus 150. We have Sam Darnold at plus 350. Uh, Josh Allen plus uh, 625 Baker Mayfield is at 8 to 1 and then of course uh, going down the line a ton of long shots after that I mean 25 to 1 is is 12 to 1 is Rosen Um, what do you think about this one in terms of quarterback going somewhere else or kind of where um, where is the direction you like for offensive rookie of the year for the 2018 draft class
1: So typically for any of these future props, I love looking for anyone that offers value and trying to find long shots. But this is the one where I just, I can't get on board with anyone other than Saquon. I just, as much as I want to, I know some of the numbers are so enticing. I'm just, I'm Saquon the whole way. I just think obviously staying healthy is priority number one, but just the hype, the hype that he's received. And I just think he's going to be a perfect fit into an offense needing desperately needing a run game. I think he's a a very, very special talent, and I think there's no denying that. I think he's, personally, he's one foot in the door to win this category, and unless some, God forbid, some type of horrible injury happens to him, and I shouldn't even be putting this into the world, this one is definitely my favorite i i know plus 150 is is awful i mean especially assuming someone's going to transition from college to the pros but i just think he's like a once in a generation talent and just everything i've seen just going to a team which will have a lot of people watching their games just the hype just everything about this and just seeing him in college and just how special he truly is. His numbers at the combine is everything. I just really can't get on board with anyone else. Although I do see so much value in any of the other quarterbacks who you think are going to be good fits, but I just really don't think anyone can outdo Saquon if he has even even if he lives up to half the
0: hype he has.
1: I just don't see anyone taking that category from him.
0: I'm going to throw some cold water on you, and here's the reason why: Saquon Barkley is by far the most you know, pure talent has, has it in spades over anyone in this draft. My issue is the offensive line. Um, yeah, it's, it's bad. And whether you have Adrian Peterson in his prime running behind that giants offensive line, and I know they got sold there. Um, it's to me, If he can't break some things outside, which is kind of, if you break down his film, everything he does is breaking things outside. Um, It's not necessary the Le'Veon Bell kind of patience and stop and then break that to the open hole. He looks actively to kind of break things outside. Kind of, um, you know, if you're familiar with watching, you know, Michael Vick back in the day, he was run first you know anytime there was anything he would just um take off and run with it and i know it's kind of a weird comparison he may struggle between the tackles because that offensive line is just so bad getting back and back getting shepherd back i mean the giants are going to have essentially a whole new team coming back off ir um to me the player if he was in a different situation i think that this number would provide a ton of value at plus 150 yeah. i you know and that was kind of the knock on why you know do you take him or not knowing that you don't have an offensive line um, I think that they, they made the right decision in taking him because that type of generational talent may not come around in the draft again. But to me, you know, instead of the offensive line, um, I forget the kid from Notre Dame that, that they probably, you know, best available, they probably should have taken. Um, I think that next year they spend, you know, that first round pick on the offensive line and, and maybe a free agent. And next year is really where he takes off. And I think he may disappoint some people again just because of the offensive line. That being said, the name value is going that. is going to help him in this voting so much um if it's you know when you look down this list of of the quarterbacks which i think is always kind of the place to start um Mayfield may not start and uh, i had this argument and i was kind of proven wrong Um, last year why i wouldn't bet watson for rookie of the year was that he wouldn't start and i just feel like that was such an issue um i don't know if any of these players are going to start you know maybe josh allen has the best chance which is why he's kind of lower at plus 625 um i think that bradford is going to be that gap in between rosen so until these players kind of come in you know that's week seven eight where players like barkley are going to have that um advantage so the name value is is going to help him tremendously so again the price is just one of those things
1: Oh, sorry. It's also one of those things where you could bet it. It's probably going to be available to bet probably in week three or four. And like you're saying, if you can see a team struggling and, you know, make uh, Baker Mayfield does come in, you could get value in getting him there. And there'll be a lot of, you know, praise he'll get for being the, the savior of the season, for example. So I do see exactly what you're saying, especially with Barkley with the offensive line. But I have a point. I have a, maybe not a point, but I have an argument for you. So everyone knows the Giants' offensive line is terrible. There's no surprises there. They'll be a little bit better than they were last year. But what if he comes in and, you know, he rushes for, in his first couple games, 120 yards, 100 yards, whatever. Isn't there just, doesn't that just put him at a lock if he gets in there and he has a couple hundred yard games early and he overperforms? when this offensive line is so bad, like how are you going to, if he comes in and has those hundred yard games early, how are you going to take this title away from him? Offensive rookie of the year. How are you going to take that away when everyone knows the only thing that could really stop him is not talent. It's just being behind a shitty offensive line. So with that argument, I guess that's the kind of boat I'm in with him. I just, I feel like he is going to come in and yeah, his numbers aren't going to be as, as great as everyone projects, but I do think they have, Quite a few games where he's not a lock, but he's, he's pretty close. You're pretty sure he's going to be getting those, those hundred yard games. And to start the season, they're playing the Jags, the Cowboys and the Texans and then saints. So with that, if he has good running games, he's literally at this point, if I already think he's a foot in the door, I mean, I don't know how you're going to take it away from him. If he does fit into the team really well, like I do think he does and he can run in the offensive line doesn't really factor in.
0: Completely agree. There's no argument to me for both sides. Uh, so, for me on my end, I think that, um, again, running back won it, won it last year. Will it go two years in a row? I think there's a ton of value on a couple different players here. And specifically, I think this is a very strong wide receiver class. Um, I have a complete man crush on Cortland Sutton in Denver, and I know he's going to be that (laughs) in that three role to me. He is the love child of Des Bryant and Justin Blackman when they were good. Um, he is athletically and physically a a, a freak. Um, he has every uh, every, um, measurable, imaginable, um, on this team. Um, Keenum has shown that he, that he can kind of make some people relevant. I mean, Diggs and Thielen, um, you know, career years under him last year. So to me, Cortland Sutton at 40 to one, I think is, is incredible value at the end of the Uh, day. At the end of the day, will it, will, um, you know, do I really expect Sutton to win this? Um, I think it's worth a a small play uh, at that price. Absolutely. Um, Dante Pettis, um, somebody who kind of made in the Deshaun Jackson mall at 75 to one, I think is, is huge. And the kind of preseason darling is Michael Gallup filling in that Des Bryant role at 25 to one. Um, I'm so out on Des, on, um, Dak Prescott as, as we'll, we'll get into this (laughs) when we come, um, to me, I I don't think that he's long for this league this league. And I've been kind of on record saying that I think he probably only has three to four years left in this league. I just, to me, he is the ceiling of a player like Tim Tebow. And I know that's kind of a a bad (laughs) comparison um, or, you know, a harsh comparison. I just, I don't like his game at all. And I know sometimes he goes out there and does some things, but there is, there is not a lot to like about that rookie, um, about the receiving core outside of the rookie at Michael Gallup. So if Gallup is force fed targets, I think 25 to one. And again, this price has come plummeting. This was 75, 80 to one, uh, just a couple weeks ago. Ago. Um, Christian Kirk, another one in Arizona and Antonio Callaway was, you know, a projected first round pick at 65 to one, uh, with Cleveland that has all the talent in the world. If he can, um, you know, just stay on the field. So, um, to me, this is more of a wide receiver one, but I completely understand going the chalk route. And to me, do you see any value in taking any of these quarterbacks? Uh, again, Mayfield eight to one Allen, six to one and Rosen 12 to one.
1: Rosen's the only one, yeah. like you said, I do think he has potential maybe not to start but to come in pretty early I think they desperately need a quarterback to perform I think he's the one that I was looking at other than Barkley but to be honest there there really wasn't anyone and I'm I know I'm really stuck in my ways and I'm usually really not that way but I'm I just really can't be convinced otherwise in that specific category but like you said with the wide receivers so much value you really don't know who's going to be one of those players that you know at 60 to 1 70 to 1 if you can find anything like that and they end up maybe getting seven or eight touchdowns there's a huge argument to be made for that especially if a team's been struggling and they come in and they're you know become the number one receiver on the team there's a lot of value in those and here I am thinking like Ten, twelve to one is value, and you come up with these four to ones. <laughs> <laughs> when you're like value, I'm like, oh, value ten to one. And then, <laughs> honestly, it's you make some really good points with those. And yeah, I think for if we if you do decide to go the quarterback route, I think Rosen's your best shot at that.
0: Completely agree. All right, let's transition over to defensive player of, or sorry, defensive rookie of the year. Bradley Chubb is the chalk favorite at plus two fifty. Raycon Smith plus four twenty five. Denzel Ward plus six seventy five. Minka Fitzpatrick plus six seventy. And Derwin James will close with that plus 850. Um, And again, all the way down through the line, um, Mike Hughes is kind of the last player listed at 25-1, to along with Deron Payne um, and Darius Leonard. What are your thoughts on Defensive Rookie of the Year in terms of, um, do you bet it based on value? Do you look for kind of in-season or kind of what's your philosophy on this? This one, to me, is kind of almost random. I mean, the chalk never seems to work out. You know, Miles Garrett, Genevieve Clowney, on down the line, the chalk just never seems um, to kind of come through. And it's weird because in theory, you know, especially early in the season. I know this, this preseason was a little bit different um, with the new helmet rule and kind of inflating some scores and there was a ton of overs. But defense is usually always ahead of offense. But for whatever reason, the rookies on the defensive end kind of come up from nowhere, usually, instead of the chalk plays. Yeah,
1: you're right. Uh, that, that is very surprising. And I I mean, I don't have a good theory or explanation on that, I guess. So for the two, the, the two chalks, you have Chubb and Roquan Smith. So I, I see why Chubb is a pretty clear cut favorite. He's statistically similar to DeMarcus Ware. Um, and I think playing with Vaughn Miller is obviously an added bonus. Um, I don't love how he's on a team. I think he'll struggle and, at plus 500 to assume that someone will transition well from college to the pros is a little bit too short of a price for me. Um, I do, I would prefer Roquan Smith. Um, I think he has all the intangibles. He has great game sense, speed, agility. I think he's an impact player on sacks and tackles. And I like to look when I'm looking at these players, I want to find someone that's going to fill the stats categories. So I think that the fact that he does, in college, and I think he will, in in the pros, fill those categories and just make his stats kind of fill his resume. I think that adds to the appeal. Um, but I do think the most value and my favorite choice for this is uh, the one I think who's set up for the most success, Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, he's a six foot five, two 253-pound linebacker with a 40-yard dash time of 4.54. So this guy has a physical freak, first of all. And then I think the best argument to, I guess, be made to pick him would be the most upside for him would be playing in Sean McDermott's defensive scheme. I think that really sets someone up to produce. And Sean McDermott has worked with Keekley, Thomas Davis. So I think he's definitely in great hands. And I think he's one of those players who a lot of people are sleeping on. And I think just being a physical freak and just a crazy athlete, I think he's being undervalued. And I think. There's sh- two shorter prices. While I do understand the arguments for them for Roquan Smith, but I do think Tremaine Edmonds offers the most value. I'm not sure what he is now, but I did see Plus him early at 11. 11- oh, okay, I saw him 11 to one early, so 850 still, still a lot of value. And I think when the two shorter prices end up getting shorter, closer to the season, I think he'll increase in in value. Hopefully, not everyone's listening to this, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I'll just lock it in early.
0: but yeah, just put that in <laughs> I do, right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, right now as we speak, I think he offers some really good value and I think he'll fit.
0: So to me, I look at kind of past, um, not performances, but past kind of trends and stats on kind of this type of thing. What position is kind of getting the most love? So from 2000 to 2009, so nine years, there were eight linebackers in a row who won this award. Brian Erlacher, Kendrell Bell, Julius Peppers, Terrell Suggs, Jonathan Vilmer, Sean Merriman, DeMarco Ryans, Patrick Willis, Gerard Mayo, and Brian Cushing. Um, and then, if you extend that out, Nadomi and Sue won it as a defensive tackle with the Lions in 2010. And then again, more linebackers: Von Miller and Luke Kuechly. There hasn't been a linebacker who's won this award since 2012. It's kind of transitioned a little bit into the defensive back, obviously with Matt Lattimore winning this. Um, when you look at this, the last three have been defensive backs: Marcus Peters, I'm sorry, Bosa in 2016. Um, so three of the last four. When you have um, Lattimore who won it last year, and then Marcus Peters before that. Uh, so to me. Uh, I don't know, and there's a defensive end there, obviously, with Bosa in 2016. It's the best player available, but, you know, sacks are, are the sexy stat, right? That's what everyone wants to see. Um, so, it's, I don't, you know, it's hard to look at this. You know, for so long, you could kind of zero in on this position and just say, pick the best linebacker um, that you feel has the best opportunity in this. And, and, again, from 2000 to 2009, it was essentially a lock to come from that position. Uh, to me, I, I think this has kind of gone towards um, the defensive back. And so, to me, um, Mika Fitzpatrick is in a great uh, position at plus 700 when we look at this again, I think that Lattimore kind of broke this this stronghold that, you know, Sacks and everything else had. And when you look at Lattimore coming in, I mean, in college, was, was there more of a, you know, shut down type of defensive back, you know, ball hawking safety, everything like that? It's uh, He he kind of broke that mold. So when we look at Fitzpatrick coming in, I think he has a lot of those similar things. And now, to me, I, I will say this, you know, uh, Miami's going to struggle on defense, no doubt about that. But uh, Jamal, um, the safety for... Um, uh, the Jets last year, what was his name? It's, it's escaping me. Jamal, um, Adams was, you know, that prototypical safety from Alabama, in that's the type of situation that Fitzpatrick is in. And I think he has enough talent to kind of get over the edge there. So I think that Mika Fitzpatrick on a struggling defense, you know, will look to stand out um, and kind of be the last line of defense, you know, similar to the Saints and Lattimore. That Saints defense has been, you know, laughable for so long. You know, basically the NFL's equivalent of a Baylor or a Texas Tech or Oklahoma with just, uh, you know, killer offense, but no defense. Um, so I think that people who stand out on maybe, you know, add to low end defenses, uh, is worth a look there, but I completely agree, um, with both of those picks. All right. Um, let's go on t- uh, while we're on defense, uh, defensive player of the year. To me, this one is kind of cut and dry. And I, I think there's a great look to be had with Joey Bosa taking that next step at uh 10 to one, eight to one out there. Um, especially for, um, most sacks is also being lined at 10 to one. Um, do you have any pick for kind of defensive player of the year, or is this something you look to play fluid as well?
1: Yeah. The only one, I mean. Chalk on those two are pretty pretty obvious. I really don't think JJ Watt is. I mean, he's getting a lot of love, obviously, but even he doubts how he's going to be this year. Yeah, injuries are just it just honestly has been haunting his career, and it's unfortunate because we really don't know what his true potential would be. But he's one of those I think are just completely completely overvalued. Uh, He's he's I would definitely not choose him. But the one I landed on is uh, Cameron Jordan. At 21 to 1. Love it. I think he, he's in the conversation last year. Uh, I love his versatility. I think he'll put up great stats. And I think that certainly helps your cause. So with him in particular. He rushed the pass as good as anyone in the league. Uh, I think he led the league in tackles for loss last year. Mm. Uh, he should put up a double digit sack total. And Like you said. Sacks are. <laughs> everyone loves sacks. Especially when you're looking at stats. They just really stand out. And he has a a pure knack for defending the pass and knocking the ball down so I think he's one of those players who play for a defense which you know it's tough to stand out and if you are the standout player and just how the team find it behind him and we're making a case for him last year I think he's one of those players obviously at his breakout breakout year last year I think he's going to be even better this year I think at 21 to 1 there's just so much value there
0: Completely agree. And there's a strong trend between kind of rookie of the year and defensive player of the year. Um, and you know, talent opportunity, Donald, there's been so many of these guys. Um, and for me, um, that's kind of where I lean towards both. So I just think that he's kind of ready to take that next step. But I completely agree with you. The same thing can be said for Jordan, um, much like, um, you know, Sheldon Richardson type of mold um, with the Jetsy, he, he is all over the field. And again, you know, he, he's Aaron Donald, um, you know, maybe a little bit um, poorer version. Let's transition into the stat or the uh, bet that everyone wants to make. And I want to talk to you about this because I think you have such an interesting take on why you don't choose to bet this and kind of what your reasoning is for this. And this is MVP. Um, Aaron Rodgers is obviously the, uh, everyone's kind of people think he's going to be in complete FU mode, a la Tom Brady. um, And he's just going to be back after that broken collarbone. Um, And again, Brady winning this at 41 last year um, is incredible. And may, you know, that number may be a little bit low in complete FU mode again. And, you know, finding that motivation is is so huge when you're looking at these bats. These are kind of trying to have to get into players' heads, you know, much like the prop market. Um, so tell me about why you choose not to bet MVP and why you kind of don't find any um, value in the current prices that are being offered um, just from a philosophical handicapping standpoint.
1: Yeah, I think the league no doubt is just so offense heavy and especially quarterback heavy. I just, there's no surprise that it's Brady Rogers, I guess, Wentz and breeze. If you want to go down that route, I just honestly, for me personally, when I'm looking at these numbers, they're just too low for me. They're just too low. You know, Aaron Rogers. Yeah, of course he's going to be good. He's Aaron Rogers. He's the talent is through the roof. And at the end of the day, the Vikings could very easily win the division. So are you, going to give MVP to, to Rodgers if they don't win their division. That's one argument to be made. The Patriots, I just, I find them, they have an easy schedule. Again, it seems like every year they have the easiest of easy People schedules. People are still
0: trying to make arguments to go under 10 and a half.
1: I know. I don't, I don't see how you, can, how you can do that. But they're one of those teams where if they end up getting, let's say, 13, 14 wins on the season, how is Tom Brady not your MVP? It's just. For me, in particular, looking at these, or you have a team that, you know, I don't think he could have been MVP, but Deshaun Watson last year, very, very, very strong case to be made had he stayed healthy and had the Texans... A splash, I guess, towards the latter half of the season. I just think there's just so much that has to go right in your bet, and you're just you're banking on so many different things. You know, you could love Tom Brady as MVP and think plus four hundred or whatever you see it at is good value, but then at the end of the day, if they do get ten wins, and it's just there's so many different things to consider, yeah. and I just feel like. Unless someone has an undefeated season or, you know, someone goes down to injury and one, you know, it's someone throwing 400 yards every game. It's just so tough. It's just, it's just so random. And there's just not enough value for me if I were to be backing this just because I do find, you know, it's, a, it's honestly a toss up. Brady, Rogers, Wentz, Breeze, I guess, Matt Ryan, if you think the Falcons are good again. It's just, it's such a toss up and there isn't really enough value in in taking anything like that, like plus 400 with rookies or something like, I mean, Saquon Barkley being the exception cause he is a once in a generational talent, but for like a de- defensive player of the year at plus 400 or something, uh, defensive rookie of the year plus 400, that's, that's just short. You just don't know how they're going to do, but you can kind of narrow it down to like three or four people and then a long shot player, like a dark horse, but you can kind of narrow it down with MVP you know, if, if Le'Veon Bell, for example, has, let's just say, I don't know, 18 touchdowns, how is he not going to win it? So there's just so many different things. There's so many cases to be made and it is a very offense heavy league and just stats are so important, but so are wins and your team has to perform as well. So it's just, to me, it's just completely random. <laughs> it's
0: no, it, it completely Do you is. lean
1: towards anyone in this one in particular?
0: Um, MVP, I struggle with because I feel that there's a tremendous, uh, due factor unless somebody kind of, um, I know I look at it as more of a I don't know, lifetime achievement awards. It's kind of the wrong word, but I look at this as <laughs> it's, it's a slanted award. And I, I really feel that the NFL kind of looks out for players that are due, players that have uh, never won one. And players that are going to kind of, you know, it, it's the same argument that I could have to why LeBron James should win the MVP for the last 12 years. Um, it's, <laughs> you, know, just, you know, speaking honestly, every single year, uh, Andrew, um, God Aaron Rodgers is the most valuable player to his team. Um, you saw what the, the Packers were without him. So I would say that Aaron Rodgers. you know, I look at these in, you know, f- two to three, maybe four or five year spurts in that a player should, you know, almost win the MVP every single year. You can't tell me LeBron James wasn't the most, you know, uh, valuable player to his team for the, you know, in Cleveland, it, you're crazy, but the NBA gives it to kind of who had the biggest kind of breakout year. Right. And so the NFL, it's a little bit, it's different, but it's similar. I think that players who haven't kind of won it or haven't won it in a while, Um, Tend to kind of get the the most votes and stuff like that. Um, And again, this is an award where I will almost exclusively kind of only look at quarterback. I think that Russell Wilson, Philip Rivers, um, even Matthew Stafford on an outside chance. Again, this isn't truly who's the most valuable. It's kind of who's going to have the biggest breakout year. I mean, you know, have their team kind of surprised, which is a a big part of this. Um, I the first bet I made was Jimmy Garoppolo at thirty to one to win the MVP number one because I'm just a Jimmy G guy coming from New England. Uh, That price to me was just absolutely crazy. It's Limited to about 15 to one now Half of that, yeah. yeah um so when that one was hung that was kind of just a mistake in the market that i saw i think that breeze has a tremendous due factor um and if you're high on the chargers i think that um philip rivers is, is another one so to me that's kind of how i look again my philosophy this may be the you know i kind of buried the lead here this may be the most important thing i say is kind of my philosophy on um betting futures i will only bet futures if i feel the market is going to shorten and they're not available um in season. So to me, you know, betting a team like New England to win the AFC, um, that market is going to shorten after two to three games when they're three and one, four and zero. Oh, the, the price is going to come down. Now, whether you want to sell that to prop swap, you want to cash it out, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, Clemson, Alabama, people are so afraid to bet chalk and looks, you know, quote unquote square for the last 10 years. The market has shortened on teams like Alabama, like Clemson, like New England, Pittsburgh, um, so I think that chalk is a little bit more valuable than people think of uh, when it comes to the futures market, just because again, without a doubt, short of an injury, I'm telling you, the market is going to shorten on New England to win the AFC and win the um, Super Bowl. Um, but people are just I don't about the Patriots right. and, and this and that. And to me, it, it's just crazy to kind of you know sc- you know look the other way and, and say, I'm not going to bet that it's not fun. Like I, just, I, I don't get the hate again. I've talked about how people kind of want to go under the total on the new England. Uh, to me, it's it's just crazy. It's, it's come up, you know, in the roulette wheel, that is the NFL. It's come up new England red for the last 10 years, seven years, whatever it is in, in seven straight AFC championship games. Um, in the gambler's fallacy of, you know, someone else's do it has to come up black. Um, you can bet, you know, you can win many times betting on a streak and you can only lose once betting against it. So until it stops being profitable, I think that shock, Kind of gets a, a a bad name in this, and that these prices are what they are for a reason, and that's kind of my my tangent rant on that.
1: No, I think that's a you make a lot of really good points, and in, in general, no matter what you're betting, people are, I, yeah, I think it's more than anything, it's it's reputation yeah. for just chalk being terrible. I, you know, what if you find value, there could definitely be value in minus one twenty. There's absolutely value in that. It's just a matter of what the line should be. And I guess what you projected to end up at. And like you were saying, absolutely. The market's definitely shortened. Like you have certain players that uh, quarterback, for example, that is maybe fourth or fifth choice to win MVP and then gets injured week two. Well, his line's going to be completely gone. And then the odds are just going to adjust based on who's overperforming, underperforming. And that's going to, whether or not you're on that player, it's going to affect whoever you bet. So because of that, if you do think there is a lot of value in betting the Patriots, for example, like you're saying, because you know, they're gonna start out the year in four and oh, three and one at worst. So Tom Brady is obviously gonna get MVP consideration right. for this market and it's just gonna continue to go down. So yeah, I agree entirely. Don't be afraid of what looks like chalk early on if you do have a strong lean towards a team you think is going to perform or a player you think is going to perform and put up those stats early on because the market will adjust.
0: Yeah, and MVP to me, I, I echo. I won't bet this kind of preseason. I think that them being available week to week, um, you know, I don't have a problem. You know, for example, Drew, uh, let me pull somebody up here. Uh, Drew Brees at six to one. If he goes out there and has an incredible year, you know, you know, assuming, you know, in gambler speak here, so you bet one unit to win six units on Drew Brees um with all the variants that is a 16 week or 16 game 17 week NFL season before playoffs I'm okay waiting till week 12 week 13 and laying um you know when that price from 6 to 1 goes down to -110 or -140 as an overwhelming favorite I'm okay laying the 4 to 5 units to make Um, you know, four to five instead of one to to do that six, just because I know that the variance is so much more reduced in waiting that long. Um, And there's different schools of thoughts on that. Like I've said, some people, you know, the general public always wants to bet a a little to win a lot. Um, And I think the professionals are okay betting, Um, you know, the minus one tens, the, you know, taking the, you know, the Floyd Mayweather of the world at minus 400 was, you know, the single greatest thing that ever happened to professional betters was a 20% ROI in an hour. And I think that when you can eliminate a a thing like variance in a game that is much like baseball built around it, I think that it's okay to take a a worse price to eliminate some of that variance at that cost. I think to me is well worth the trade-off.
1: Absolutely. And the numbers are all going to look enticing earlier on in the season when you don't know who's going to perform at what level and what team's going to live up to what expectations. So, yeah, the numbers all look great. And it's it's very flashy to see someone that you think has very real possibility of being, you know, MVP, say, you know. If you think the Vikings are great, Kirk Cousins at 20 to one, that sounds amazing. And then midway through the season, they're (laughs) disappointing, but I don't think them in particular are going to be, but you you have certain examples where the numbers just like stand out to you and then they're just obviously enticing and great and high. And I mean, they're that price for a reason. So like you said, later on in the season, when you get to about week 10 or 11, it's kind of three horse race yeah. essentially is what it boils down to and then there is a lot of value still when it does go down to maybe minus 120 minus 130 there is value in that and unfortunately you didn't get it at plus 500 plus 600 but you know what a win is a win and if you really can see that it's you know playing out in favor of one player and they have honestly an easy schedule left where they're just going to continue to you know let's say put yards on there put yards on the board put touchdowns in their categories and It's tough to play against them. So MVP is interesting. And I do like that you can play it on a week-to-week basis. That's beneficial for betters that are following the league intently.
0: For sure. And not to spoil anything, we have... Um, AG, who is the head odds maker of mybookie.ag at the end of the show. Um, and it, we had him on to kind of talk about liabilities uh, for the uh, futures markets and specifically um, biggest needs or biggest liabilities uh, within um, the futures market. And not, you know, maybe not as much of a surprise here. He said that Deshaun Watson is the biggest liability for MVP um, basically in the last two to three years of futures markets. Um, mm-hmm. We'll almost single-handedly crush kind of their hold um, if he ends up winning that. And I think a lot of the MVP is also recency bias. It's what did people see last? Patrick Mahomes was another one that he touched on that's huge liability. Um, You know, people want to be ahead of the curve and look smart. And sometimes, you know, people trying to look, you know, right with that hot take is more important than than their money and their bankroll. And I know we don't subscribe to that theory, but a lot of people do. But let's um. It all
1: looks good when a team go when a player goes from seventy five to one to twenty yeah, to one. Yeah, everyone's the smartest person
0: in the hard. room. Yeah, at that point, completely <laughs> agree. Um, all right, let's transition into kind of some various player props, and we'll wrap up with the AFC and NFC Super Bowl. But before we do that, the Inside Vegas podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. Enter co- promo code SGP100 for a 100% deposit bonus for new customers. If you need a reload, SGP Reload is the 50% reload bonus for existing customers. We are also brought to you by Oddshark. Get tips, as well as picks, as well as data-driven editorial content from their expert writing staff you will not find anywhere else. And finally, we are brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only app that puts all the information in the palm of your hand that is needed to beat Las Vegas. If you are looking for a one stop shop in terms of uh, tracking all your bets, uh, something of a hybrid of the Action Network and Sports Insights, and getting all your information in one place. Go to betql.co to download the app today. All right, so let's look at some various player props. And these are, to me, where some of the greatest edges I have found in, in kind of my future bets um, that I've placed. Um, there's not a ton on here that is um, in terms of huge payouts. Most of these are lined around minus 110. And again, all of these are available on mybookie.ag under the player prop uh, section for the season total uh so again this is kind of specific players over under passing yards over under receiving touchdowns receiving yards passing stuff all that type of stuff um i think there's a this is to me kind of where you can either get on board with kind of trying to be cutting edge a little bit without having to risk it around a team um investing in a player outside of injury i think i have found is, is kind of been the way to do this and i think there's a couple on here that are um a ton of value so I'm going to lead off here and then again um feel free to just kind of uh we'll do a couple each you know 2 or 3 um and we'll go down the line. To me, first one that sticks out to me. Larry Fitzgerald over 4 touchdowns minus 140 to the over on mybookie.ag. I've said it over and over again I am a under player. To me, this total was uh kind of crazy to be honest. Um when you look at the, what this is, this number is is this low for one reason, that's the quarterback situation. Um Sam Bradford, Josh Rosen, it's probably going to be um uh, Bradford until he gets hurt or, or the bye um, before Rosen comes in. But when you look at Larry Fitzgerald and what he has done, um, this is absolutely... Uh, he's the poster child for consistency, professionalism. I mean, on down the line, uh, he... The last time that he kind of went under this number was when the quarterback position was you know, Drew Stanton and company, um, essentially. I mean, 2017, six touchdowns. 2016, six touchdowns. 2015, nine. 2014 was the year I was talking about when he had two. Um, that was the injury short year with only 784 yards. 2013, 10 touchdowns. Eight, six, 13, 12. And in his prime years, he's gone under this total once uh, with one push in 2012. Um, this number, to me, should be probably five and a half, uh, maybe even six. Um, I feel there's a ton of, uh, again, I I know Bradford and I know that rookie in in Rosen may not be um, great, but Larry Fitzgerald has done more with less. Um, And so to me, when you're only rooting for four touchdowns, when a a player who operates that slot is going to be the leading receiver on this team, uh, probably without question. Um, I mean the resurgence of Larry Fitzgerald is real people thought he was done after that 2014 season I mean 1200 yards a thousand yards and another 1100 yard season six six and nine touchdowns and again uh, the one outlier of 2014 notwithstanding 10 touchdowns before that 954 yards he is um, again the model of consistency since 2014 and uh, going down as you know a hall of fame receiver and one of the true kind of last pros quote unquote to play this game this number to me is is absolutely crazy and I love this over Um, so I'm gonna go Larry Fitzgerald over four touchdowns Minus one hundred forty via mybookie.ag.
1: I like that. I saw that one. I was honestly shocked when I saw the number. I I could not believe yeah. that. To be honest, and you're right. He just he is the model of consistency, and I just he's who they're looking for, especially in in the red zone. He's who you're going to be throwing to if you're throwing in the red zone. You you want someone with good hands that's not going to drop the ball and who's better than Larry Fitzgerald at that, honestly. But yeah, you're completely right on that one. Uh, The one that stood out to me the most, aside from that one, because I had that one too, is uh, Keenan Allen, uh, over six and a half touchdowns at minus 125.
0: Love it. He is the number... He's, to me, the top five underrated receivers in this league if he can stay healthy.
1: Absolutely. And I, you know, last year, yeah, he had six touchdowns. Okay. He had 102 receptions. (laughs) (laughs) And close to 1400 yards and you know what having a quarterback like Philip Rivers who's looking to throw I mean I don't care who you put at running back Philip Rivers is is like a Drew Brees and they're looking to throw now I I love Keenan Allen for this one I just think the total's way too low I mean the last time he went over this was I guess 2013 where he had eight but I mean He's been close, and I just think that he's going to have a big year. I see him projected as they saying he's like the fourth or fifth—I don't know what I was reading. What was it like, fifth or sixth best wide receiver if you play fantasy? Yeah. Which I don't. I mean, Keenan Allen is obviously a big name. He's going to be getting the yards. It's just Effie's going to be getting them in for touchdowns. He's always a threat for the long ball, um, and I just think he's going to have the receptions. And I think backing a player who's going to have the receptions obviously keeps you alive to getting a long ball for a touchdown or someone who could be your red zone threat as well. So I just love Keenan Allen for that. And I think six and a half is, is way too low.
0: Completely agree. Um, if he stays healthy, he will go over that. He's shown that time and time again, he is out of this world. I wanted to ask you since you're so high on Barkley, um, not that this will, you know, quote unquote count for you uh, in your bets, but <laughs> over, over under a thousand yards for Saquon Barkley this year. Cause that's what it's lined at. It's at, um, 1090, I believe one thousand ninety nine and a half. Uh, Yep, so uh, basically 1,100 yards or below for uh, Saquon Barkley this year for you.
1: That's interesting. Uh, I feel like that's, for him in particular, I think that's a really good number. And even his touchdown number, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. I feel like... Nine and a half. Anything, yeah, I feel like you'd kind of have to lean under on that. I think 1,000 yards is still a lot, no matter who you who you put at running back for that. It's It's high. It's a little bit high. And you do definitely have the possibility that he doesn't perform with the offensive line or just he just doesn't live up to expectations or he sits last game of the season if they're competitive yeah I definitely wouldn't go over on that I think for a player which has sky high expectations the total is way too high and I I think he'll be could be right around that but I struggle to see how we'd go over for that
0: yeah completely agree again that that line has some issues so I completely agree all right next one for me this one is um, maybe talent meets opportunity and the best opportunity of his career. And that's Devante Adams over 1,055 and a half receiving yards. And, I, and we're going to sound like we're, we're huge over players here. Um, but to me, <laughs> these numbers are, are just very low. Um, when you talk about, you know, Jordy Nelson and, and his departure and what that means, Devante, you know, at this point in their careers, Devante Adams may have already been the best receiver on that team. And Randall Cobb in the slot is going to be that possession guy. Um, but, If you subscribe to the theory that Aaron Rodgers is going to be back and he's going to be in FU mode, um, the touchdowns may see a dip, obviously. But to me, uh, this number, you know, it's basically will um, Devontae Adams or won't he be a 1,000-yard receiver? Um, And to me, stepping into that Jordy Nelson outside receiving yard um, in this offense, you know, was it Jordy Nelson? Was it the system? I, I think it was Jordy Nelson was a great receiver, but to me, a lot of this has to do with Aaron Rodgers and with the same Aaron Rodgers um, being back there. Uh, this to me is just wildly low. Uh, it's basically yes, well, Devontae Adams will go over a thousand yards. Um, And when you look at this, uh, 2017, 884. Before that, already came close. Without um, That was, again, the year that Nelson was hurt, 997 yards. This will be his fifth season. He really didn't play much his rookie year in 2014. But to me, this is Devontae Adams' kind of breakout year written all over this. Um, So I'm going to go over 1,055 and one half receiving yards for Devontae Adams.
1: I like that. That's interesting. I haven't looked at him yet, but he's one of those players that just wouldn't stand out or jump off the page. But I, I do think he, he makes some good points with that. Um, I really only have two for this. I loved Keenan Allen. And my second one that really stood out to me was Deshaun Watson over 3,799 and a half passing yards at minus 120. So if you break that down, that works out to 237 and a half per game. Now, there is potential again, how he was injured and how severe his injury was, there is potential he isn't the same quarterback. Now, if you do buy into these, I guess, beat writers and just whoever's analyzing these preseason games or just analyzing how he is on the field, they're saying he looks even better than before. Now, I <laughs> I don't really necessarily buy into that, but I do think he will be better um, than, I guess, what. I mean, maybe not better than how he performed because he's actually amazing. Um, But I do think he'll be good. I think he'll be good. I think his total is really low. And I think how he'll be after injury definitely factored into the total. Now, I think that they have a very, very real possibility of winning their division. Um, And I just think that the total is low on him. They're going to be looking to throw. And I think he has a lot of confidence based on the season he ended off with before injury last season. And I I like him. I know he's probably going to be a pretty trendy pick. And like you mentioned, how you think – how. I'm sorry, I forgot the guy's name, but how he said he was like a huge liability, Uh, Deshaun Watson was, I totally see why. He's one of those players who, if he performs like he did last year pre-injury, there's no reason to believe he won't go over his passing yards total.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's a way to kind of... um you know, invest and buy the stock of Deshaun Watson without having to, you know, go all the way in with an MVP bet. Um, and that's what a lot of these are. They're a way to, you know, buy a player um, or buy their stock and not have to, you know, go all the way. And I think that there's a ton of... Um, these player props, to me, are way more valuable. One, because you can't bet them uh, fluidly throughout the season, um, maybe outside of a couple different books um, that have some adjusted lines and stuff like that. Um, but the uh, it's a way to get in bed with these guys without having to kind of... Uh, you know, there's, there can only be one MVP, right? But there can be 10 guys who go over their uh, season win or season um, passing yards. So I think it's a great idea to kind of look into this market a ton more than the MVP. And I completely agree. I think that Watson, while there is some, you know, there's a little bit of RG3 in this story and not in a good way, and of, you know, uh, coming off his second uh, ACL with a coach who yeah. may or may not be off the hot seat. But to me, I think it's a great look because. The mobility, right? Will he be able to move around as much and scramble as much? Uh, they're going to obviously want to keep him protected and if you remember back a couple of years ago when they tried to do this with Cam Newton, um, I bring this up because Cam Newton was looked at to have you know a really down season because he was coming off being all the fantasy people. Um, he was like the number one quarterback off the board. He was coming off his MVP year and he regressed a ton, uh, but he actually went over his season uh, passing yards by a ton. He's just, he didn't run anymore and I think we could be in for a little something similar with Deshaun Watson, so I absolutely Love that look as well. All right, that'll wrap that one up. So let's wrap this whole thing up with AFC and NFC. Um, and when we break this down, we again, this doesn't have to be kind of who will win, who won't win. There can be um, in terms of hedging, all that type of stuff. Anything again that that may shorten that you see provides a ton of value um, to at least get to the playoffs in a situation where you could pride yourself um, some guaranteed money. Again, to me, the AFC is so cut and dry, and this number is going to shorten, and there's no other way to make a bet in the AFC. Um, if you don't, and you know again, you can even hedge this out. But New England at uh, plus two seventy five again, um, my bookie Dart A g. one, the number is going to shorten. New England is going to be there at the end. And if you don't think New England's actually going to win the AFC, again, you can you know, how would you feel about having New England Patriots at plus two seventy five in the AFC championship game, uh, where they're going to be, you know, a four to seven you know touchdown favorite? Um, to me, Pittsburgh is going to be the, the the second one that everyone's always going to look at as kind of the value pick. Um, Jacksonville will they won't they regress? To me, the AFC is the Patriots and it's everyone else. And again, I, I'm not afraid to bet the chalk. Where I really feel New England should be lined as though the Golden State uh, Warriors as the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, I think that a plus one twenty, a you know a minus one ten is more than warranted for a team with seven straight AFC Championship game appearances. Um, I know that you do not like betting chalk, so I know um, give me some give me some value and some. Um, uh, ways to hedge it and make yourself some money in terms of the AFC? I
1: think the only way to really tackle the AFC is, I guess, if you think the Steelers don't win to play the Ravens to win the division. I guess I wouldn't, but I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. really the only other way if you think anyone other than those two could win. I think the way to go is to pick the winner of the AFC South or the AFC West. Um, I Personally, I'm looking at them right now, and I see Texans-Jags at plus 180 apiece. I like the Jaguars to win. Um, I think they have a pretty easy schedule. And I I mean, you have like Bortles, so you never really know. But I think they're, they're going to win quite a few games, and plus 180 is great value there. And then the AFC West, you have Chargers plus 180, and the next closest would be Raiders at plus 275.
0: Are you on the Chargers, the Chargers bandwagon? Yep. A lot of people are very high on them. Hard not to to be. Yeah. Hard not to be. Completely agree. And again, I mean, you being down on Denver only solidifies that because I think that there's going to be a huge learning curve with Patrick Mahomes. And to me, San Diego has, as always, really um, has been kind of the darling of the gambling community this off in terms of, um, you know, an AFC run. Um, I think that Philip Rivers is, you know, has that. There may be nobody, maybe outside of Russell Wilson, who has that "quote unquote" due factor uh, more than Philip Rivers. Um, so, I, I don't know if I'm uh, ready to get in bed with the AFC to win the AFC version of San Diego, but to win their division, um, yeah. I think is a good look. And again, you can always bet these um, to make the playoffs in LA Chargers. Just to make the playoffs, even as a wild card, is at minus one forty-five, which I think is a great look for um, to not have to worry about this. If Denver uh, does make a run or Kansas City surprises and Mahomes is great, um, I think that LA would still get in as a wild card. So I think that to lay the you know plus one sixty and minus one forty-five, giving up just about a dollar again, it's the safety blanket and the security of it. Um, So I think that both of those are are amazing, are great looks as well.
1: It's a really good way of looking at it, like that, and. You're completely right on that and I mean the Raiders are surprising for me a plus 275. I don't I don't really know You're high, why. High or low on them? Low.
0: Yep. I okay.
1: Don't know about that one. I I mean <laughs> I really in the AFC West I really just think the Chargers should be a lot, I guess, <laughs> a lot lower than plus 180, um, especially since I don't like the Broncos' chances mm-hmm. of uh, winning that. It's it's interesting, and you make a really good point about picking them just to make the playoffs. That's one of those bets that are completely overlooked and obviously not worth betting if it's a team that's the chalk to win their division. But there's a lot of value if you take one of those fringe teams to to make the playoffs, I'd say.
0: Yeah. And um another one, um oh let's, let's touch on the NFC and then I'll uh we'll do another one to make the playoffs. The NFC is completely so much more wide open. Um the AFC again, it's New England and it's everyone else kind of in that second tier. When we look at the NFC, um there is so many more questions than answers, uh in terms of, you know, who will repeat, who will um you know, the Giants in the NFC East, they're bringing back a whole new team and I think that they may surprise people, but Philadelphia is there. Are they really gonna unseat Philadelphia? The NFC North traditionally looks like a two horse race with Minnesota in Green Bay. Um obviously if anything happens to Aaron Rodgers, um that's shown that that wouldn't you know, Green Bay finishing outside of that uh, last season. Carolina has a lot of questions and, and the Saints are there. I mean, is there a better um battle in that in the NFC South than New Orleans and Atlanta? In the NFC West, um people are really down on Seattle this year. Um San Francisco obviously the undefeated quarterback that is Jimmy G winning his last five starts. Um, (laughs) Your boy. yeah, And as long with the Rams. Um, So to me, this is so much more wide open. So I want to see how you would um, go about attacking this uh, differently than the AFC where it's completely uh, the opposite.
1: This one's really tough, obviously, so wide open. I think, I guess, just the way, personally, I'd attack it. It's, it's tough, so I, <laughs> I won't be, but I've <laughs> heard to advise on how to. I would try to narrow it down to one of these divisions, uh, the NFC North in particular, where I really only find it between the Vikings and the Packers and take one of those two to win. Um, I, it's going to be tough to play against the Packers, especially if Rodgers is healthy, you know, I guess break down their schedule individually and see if you notice a big discrepancy in your projected win total for the Packers and Vikings, and if you do, then I guess that's a good way of figuring that one out, but I think plus 137, if you kind of narrow it down to that one looks to be like a 50-50. It's one of those two teams. You narrow it down to one of those two, and there's a lot of value in that if you can figure out which one's going to win. Um, obviously, if you have projected totals and you hypothesize one way or another, and I mean, it's it's going to be tough because they're probably going to split Yep. Uh, when they play each other. So it's kind of a wash in that sense. But I mean, that's one I like um, NFC East, tough hard to go against the Eagles at huge chalk. Uh, AFC West, or sorry, um, NFC West, uh, Rams look decent. Uh, I think 140 is fair on that. It depends on how you think Jimmy G is going to perform. Yep. Um, it's tough. There isn't really a lot of value in that. I think the only one to really go at, I mean, I, I don't mm. know. I can't narrow it down there. I think the Panthers are one of those, I guess, fringe teams that could potentially. So it's not really as clear cut as the North with the Vikings and Packers only. So wouldn't really advise plus plus one eighty on either of those two for Falcons or saints. Cause I, I pff, it's tough. Um, I don't know. I really don't feel anything super strong about the NFC no, this it's year. Hard. I think it's one of those, you kind of just have to watch and see how it's playing out and you'll get a better uh, opinion on things, maybe three or four weeks into the season.
0: Completely agree. And here's the thing. So I did this um, a little bit with the Red Sox and the Yankees this year in baseball. Um, you got to kind of put on your day trading hat a little bit. And what I did was kind of took each of them um, when they were, would be flip-flopping as the favorite to win the AL East. And I think you can do a lot of that with these divisions. Obviously, some of them are, are huge chalk. But when we look at the NFC, um, we look at, uh, let's just say, the NFC North. Minnesota and Green Bay, I mean, they're both plus 110. So in theory, you could take a, a 0.1 profit by betting them both. But to me... These are fluid. Um every book will offer these week to week. Every time that there's kind of a, you know, so a team like Atlanta um plays Philadelphia week one. If Atlanta loses um and the other teams kind of you know go up or they um win, um I think that you can kind of get some value. The same thing with the Saints. When we look at the uh Green Bay and the Vikings in the north. Every time that they kind of flip-flop, and again, the first two to three weeks really don't matter. There's a huge stat out there that's like a team that starts 0-2, makes the playoffs like 40% of the time or or something weird like that 0-1-3. I forget what the actual one is. Um, But to me, it would be to... Look at this early. If a team that's a, you know supposed to win Week One takes a loss, kind of unexpectedly, you know, much like New England, when New England was zero and one losing to the Chiefs last year, they went from like minus six hundred. Again, this is an extreme example because it's still huge chalk, but like they dropped two bucks to like minus four hundred. Um, so I think that you can get kind of some value in this week to week a lot more than preseason. There is to me. Um, there is no way that I would bet any of the NFC kind of preseason, again, unless they expect something to shorten, which, again, goes back to their schedule. Look at their schedule and look at the first two to three weeks. I think that the Rams um, may shorten a little bit just based on who they have and upcoming like that. Um, when we look at Green Bay and Minnesota, let me pull up who they have. So Green Bay is an eight-point favorite uh, in week one against Chicago, and Minnesota is... Minnesota is a six-point favorite against San Francisco. Um, So, again, if either of those two teams kind of drop their their week one and everyone is is upset and their parlays are busted and this is huge favorites, um, I think you can kind of jump on that and and play it week to week. But to me, I completely agree with you. There is zero reason to bet the NFC kind of preseason. Um, Let's see. Anything else kind of jump out at you? Long shots, um, anything like that, and then we'll kind of wrap it up with Super Bowl prediction real quick, and that'll do it for the uh, NFL 2018 uh, futures market.
1: You know, there isn't really a lot. There isn't really a lot uh, that stands out to me. I think the NFL in particular, outside of a couple of the teams, I think you can kind of gauge really well on a year-to-year basis who's going to perform and who's going to really show up. I think there are obviously those surprise teams, but I tend to find that they play pretty true to form. Um, That's kind of why I really like props. It's one of those things where you can find huge discrepancies on a week-to-week basis or someone's completely undervalued or overvalued. You know, there isn't really anything that stands out to me. Uh, It's going to be a great season, obviously, and there's so much to bet, which I'm just so excited for. (laughs) Aren't we all? Yeah. Yeah, of course. (laughs) You can't. Nothing better than that, to be honest, but nothing that really stands out to me in terms of long shots, other than the future categories you've talked about with players
0: Yeah, I think there's some out there. I think that um, to buy a piece of Andrew Luck is not a bad look. Um, Either uh, AP Comeback Player of the Year is available, um, most passing yards potentially. I I think that you should um, look to buy some Andrew Luck stock, um, obviously coming off the injury and everything like that. Uh, And again, look at situations. Look at players changing teams. Uh, Kirk Cousins is obviously the big one, but if everyone's looking that way, maybe you look at buying a piece of Alex Smith, a new system or or stuff like that, and and just kind of look next level. Um, uh, and again, just due to the diligence. And again, look week to week; these things are available throughout the season. You don't have to bet these preseason just to get the best number when there's so much unknowns. Um, But finally, I'm going to put you on the spot: 2018 Super Bowl. What is it, and who wins?
1: Oh God, <laughs> that's tough. Um... It's so hard for me to go against the Patriots. I just think they're going to be so hungry after what happened to them. So it's it's tough for me to find someone else out of there, I guess. Yeah, Patriots. And then, oh, the other side. That's very interesting. Um, You know what? Let me see. The only one I actually think that could win the AFC would be the Jaguars. I think there's a lot of value in them. I think that they could. So either I'll go... So see, it's so hard to go against the I Patriots. Know. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Oh. I know.
0: <laughs> and then people are going to come at you for saying, oh, you picked the Patriots.
1: I know. I know. I could just, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Uh, okay. I, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I'd rather be right. So
0: exactly. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Exactly. Seven times. If you had said that you would have been right every single time the last seven years. So <laughs> I, uh, enough. I've had yeah, it with those then, people.
1: Uh, <laughs> NFC, I'm going to go Saints.
0: Oh, I, I love that.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of value with them there. I think, I don't know necessarily if they're going to win the NFC South, but I think that they're one of those teams that are built to make a deep playoff run. And I think, you know what, with Drew Brees, anything's possible.
0: I completely agree, and I think that he's going to have kind of the uh, lifetime achievement award. I think he's worth a an MVP look, and I think that this defense is is only getting better. Um, so I, I absolutely love the Saints there. Uh, to me, I'm gonna go. I am uh, I'm a little bit higher on most than this team, but I'm gonna go New England, and I'm gonna go Minnesota. Uh, to me, this is Kirk Cousins uh, puts them over the top, and again. For everything that Kirk Cousins is, does Kirk Cousins really scare you? You know, in a playoff game, especially if it's on the road, no, he probably doesn't. But again, Case Keenum took that team to, uh, you know, probably the biggest quote unquote fluke play of the, of you know, in the last uh, five ten years. Um, worst. Yeah. For so t- the best. Depends yeah, depending side you're... on what side you are on, exactly. Um, to me, Cousins throwing to Thielen and Diggs uh, with a healthy Dalvin Cook and that running core, a running back core um, with Murray and Cook is going to be something special in an offense they have not had in a long time and, and we all know what that defense is um so i'd say minnesota one seed um probably green bay is is right behind them with rogers and nephew mode so i'm gonna go minnesota and new england um and i'm gonna say chalky i know but new england wins and this may be um unpopular but uh, again the dynasty continues until it it stops being profitable and that's why i look uh i always look afc with new england again it's cash seven out of eight years so again unless you hate money stop betting against new england (laughs) but no that'll wrap it up Uh, i can't thank you enough uh, for taking the time in your busy schedule i know you had a great weekend um betting the horses and everything like that so please um plug everything you have going on and where people can find you as always
1: Yeah, I guess the best place to find me would be on Twitter at Parlay Queen or you can find my work at Covers.com or America's Best Racing.
0: Beautiful. Again, thank you so much for taking the time. And and I'm sure, um, again, uh, the pick six uh, that you do is six best uh, prop bets every week, which is posted up on covers, which is again on covers.com or on your Twitter as well. So look out for that. It's a great piece of content um, that's done and it's done historically amazing each and every single week. It's one of the uh, first pieces of content I look at when I start handicapping prop bets as well. So um, thank you and congratulations again for doing everything that you are doing in the space and all the great stuff. So again, thank you so much and we will talk soon.
1: Thank you so much. Good luck with all your futures, and I'm sure we'll talk on a week-to-week basis about our props. <laughs> hey,
0: you too. Enjoy. All right, and that will do it for Parlay Queen. And again, special thank you to Monique for taking the time to come on and talk all things 2018 futures. And now for the first time, am so happy to introduce A.G. of mybookie.ag. We're be, this is going to be the first time uh, for the week that we have A.G. on. Um, so this is going to be a new segment debuting on the Inside Vegas podcast to so talk once a week with AG in terms of what the house needs, liability, uh, what is professional and what is public, line movement. This is going to be your opportunity to get a look behind the counter and see things uh, and get you know reasons for why things have moved or whatever the case may be. I think it's going to be totally invaluable. Um, And it should be a tool that you take into consideration when you're doing your handicapping. So again, this is AG, the head odds maker and risk manager of MyBookie.ag, talking all things house and liabilities for the 2018 NFL futures market. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast is the one and only AG from MyBookie.ag, and this is the first of many in what will hopefully be a season long relationship in kind of giving everyone a look on the other side of the counter. And, you know, different podcasts have had this kind of role being played by different people. Um, but to me, there was, this was the absolute best option uh, to get kind of the, uh, I want to say raw and uncensored version. Um, but personality wise, in everything that is that you do over at the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast, in the network, um, from my bookie. So, um, we're going to, obviously this being the future show, we're going to lead off with the futures. Um, for everyone that anyone that has not seen the announcement of kind of what this is going to be, it's going to be a weekly look behind the counter and to give you guys the best possible information. Um, And again, so first off, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this each and every week. I'll probably be able to 10 to 15 minutes just to look at uh, different liability, professional square stuff, and everything from the other side of the counter. Um, So AG, let's start out with uh, basically from a futures perspective of the whole market. So let's take a look at the different liabilities for the top four regular season wins and kind of where everything is going, both professional and uh, square, as well as kind of your biggest liabilities and such and kind of your opinion on agree, disagree.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, we can. We can. I guess we'll start with the teams that people are hating on uh, or not liking to have a successful season. So the Bills. Uh, let's just say I could use them getting seven wins. People have hammered into the under six and a half. It's now at minus one forty. It opened at minus one fifteen. Uh, we haven't taken a single bet on the over. Oof. So it's about uh, I don't know. 50 times to zero I guess
0: what, <laughs> well that I guess one opened one up a little low it opened to like five <laughs> and a half in some various other places i think
2: maybe, maybe one to zero because there's no money on the other side so how do you put a ratio to it yeah right
0: <laughs> Well, a lot of things had to go right, and they did last year. I mean, Buffalo making the playoffs, I think a lot of people are kind of primed for that regression with Josh Allen or A.J. McCarron um, kind of taking over. I mean, it, they kind of essentially tried to tank last year and then, and then couldn't pull it off because Bill's Mafia kind of came after them. And so I think it might be hurting there a, a little bit,
2: but hey, you never know, right? Are, are you saying that mathematical miracles don't happen twice?
0: <laughs> In the gambling world?
2: <laughs> well, stranger things, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. What else do we have for uh, going under?
2: Probably not surprisingly, the Seahawks are, are getting no love at all. I mean, their win total is eight, and it's already at minus 160 on the under.
0: That one's to me, oh. is funny. Russell Wilson never having a losing season, and I'll tell you right now, I was one of the people that kind of helped to try to take your liability. I went over the eight, and I just don't understand it. Um, I know they may not be as good, but, I mean, Russell Wilson never had a sub-500 season. It has to count for something, I would think, in the eyes of betters, but people are kind of... Uh, on that bandwagon of them kind of falling apart this year, do you agree or disagree with that narrative?
2: I mean, could you name five Seahawks right now?
0: Uh, Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, and past that, you're looking at the defensive side of the ball. So offensively, not a lot going on over there.
2: That's right. So there's, I mean, they're not being talked about. Uh, gamblers, you know, they follow the the trends, and the trends is who do the Seahawks have? Who's going to score their touchdowns? Uh, is Russell Wilson going to do it all? <laughs> So the the money has definitely said no. Uh I kind of agree with you. I mean uh, being from the West Coast, I've been to multiple games at uh the Seahawks Stadium and it's it's not an easy place to win. Uh they should easily go above five hundred there. I yeah, uh, so. <laughs> don't don't we all. Or at least <laughs> at least a select few of us.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. What's next on the list?
2: So on the other side, uh, teams are being backed heavy. Uh, the opposite situation, all the money's on the other side. Uh, the Bears' regular season wins was at 6.5. Uh, now it's minus 150 on the over. Um, I, could, I can understand that that money coming in that way with uh, Trubisky being up-and-comer. Uh, you know, the Bears showed definite flashes of being a, a respectable team last year. and I don't see why it won't continue because they are fairly young in the rebuilding stage. So the next progression would be to win a few more games and that, that might happen.
0: That one to me is very interesting when you look at what that, uh, you, you know, me and you know, both know that the Chicago is going to be a professional side basically all season. Anytime that you kind of, I would think anytime you lay that hook out with either three and a half or six and a half professionals are going to kind of take that, um, and to me, I, I personally think Mitch Trubisky is not long for this league. I mean, when you go four of seven for whatever it was, 79 yards and, and an interception, um, that, those are Tim Tebow-like numbers. And to me, I know they're going to put him more in a shotgun last year. I think the thought process is they kind of tried to put his game, you know, a, a round circle and a square peg or whatever that saying is. Um, and with the new system coming in, maybe it's geared toward, more towards him. Um, but I like your chances on that one.
2: Chances for the under to hit, well, they got to go against the Vikings and the Packers uh, a couple times each, so, well, let's, you know, I always hope that everything turns out our way, so we can add that to the pile. Professionals (laughs) do, too, right, buddy? That's right. And the next one is, this is probably your sharp action, you know, uh, for, what, at least the last four or five years, the Jaguars have just been the team for sharp bettors. Uh, They love them on game day, they love them in the futures, and... As the trend continues, they love them on the regular season wins. The only time is this time around they're at nine, as opposed to their usual far lower number. Uh, the Jags also, strong defense, great running game. Uh, Blake Bortles, beloved Bortles, they could make a run for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anything is possible with that defense. The one thing I did want to ask you about is the hard knocks effect. Is there, any, is there an increased kind of stake in over, I would assume to be the over on the Cleveland win total?
2: Uh, no, I mean it's the Browns. Right. That's that's
0: that's what I say too. But people <laughs> yeah. whenever you look on social media, people are, are kind of uh all about this team and, and even though they've won one game out of the last thirty three, people can't wait to get in bed with them and, and I've tried to kind of caution people and, and people I think people get so enamored with the hard knocks effect. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm sure as as a bookmaker you've seen it, you know, throughout with um the Jets, the Bengals, um all those teams that have in Houston. Um, you know, there's a tradition. There's a stat out there that basically says a, a team that that goes on hard knocks in the preseason, they're they're like 33 percent in the preseason, just because those numbers are so overly inflated. So I was just curious if it kind of carried over to the to the regular season win totals as well as far as a liability standpoint.
2: Not so much. But again, I mean, it's the Browns. they get backed actually fairly heavily in the regular season by sharp players playing, you know, plus fourteen and a half or the plus seventeen and a half. That probably tells you all you need to know about why people aren't betting the over-season win totals. It's not against the spread total.
0: Completely so, agree. And that's one team I think that you can kind of look to exploit maybe in an a, uh, alternative um, season win total. Um, some, some nice numbers out there, again, courtesy of mybookie.ag on the alternative side. Uh, so as always, uh, shop around for the best number. And if you think you have an edge, maybe take an alternative line. All right, so that'll wrap up the regular season wins and liability. Let's go to uh, the top four Super Bowl futures. Um, this one, to me, I, I think Patriots are going to be in at least two of them, and I'm going to say you're going to get some Packer and Vikings buyers. What do we have?
2: Well, the numbers just aren't good enough for people to be throwing their money on those teams. That's so we've got people, we've got people backing the Patriots, but it's in the exact matchups. So The exact Super Bowl matchup. The three most popular plays are Saints versus Patriots at fifteen to one. Eagles versus Patriots at 15 to 1 a little super bowl rematch and then the Rams versus Patriots at 17 to 1 but on the actual super bowl outright no one's really playing the pass cuz your your return just isn't good enough
0: Yeah, and um, I mean, I always think that the Patriots open up a little bit low every year. I mean, maybe you can answer this question for me, and I know the answer, and it's uh, the NBA is a series, or yeah, the NBA is a series while the NFL is one game. But to me, I always thought that New England should have been kind of priced in the way that Cleveland was, or that Golden State is now, you know, the minus 200. Um, Again, I know that there's more room for error in a a seven-game series, um, but have you guys, um, or even kind of, you know, to, to pick your brain in the thought process of why kind of plus money is still available for a team like New England that's gone to six straight AFC Championship games?
2: I mean, every season's a new one, and everyone theoretically has a chance to get there. Uh, I mean, if we put, for argument's sake, New England at minus 200 to win the AFC Championship, every other team would have to be, without my abacus in front of me, you know, at least seven, eight to one. Right. Uh, in that that's, I mean, no bookmaker in his right mind is going to put himself in that situation. In that point, you're gambling on the paths. So you see enough money come in on the NFL that even putting the Patriots at plus money, uh, top of my head to win the AFC, they're around plus
0: two seventy five. I
2: think plus two seventy five. Yeah, three to one. So even at that, you're going to see balanced action throughout that market. And you know, a lot of times, even with the Patriots at three to one, they're going to be a winner for you uh, at the end of the season.
0: Um, and then, was there anything from um, the NFC side that you had off the top of your head, I know you said mostly everything was matchups. Um, so, you said it was uh, the Saints, I would assume it would be the same. So, Saints, Rams, and Eagles are the top uh, three biggest NFC liabilities, obviously, in that exact uh, market outcome?
2: Uh, for the exact market, yes. For the Super Bowl, the Saints, the Vikings, and the 49ers. Or, um, yep,
0: that was going to be my, my other one that I wanted to ask you about in the Jimmy G hype train. Um, is there been an, an increased stake in the over 8.5 for uh, San Francisco knowing that Jimmy G carried them to a 5-0 record last year?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of money on the over on the regular season wins. And actually the 49ers are 16-1, to one, are the most popular back team to win the Super Bowl.
0: Awesome. So let's it, let's flip that right on over. because I think it's a great a great segue point. I personally think win or lose that uh, the number that was hung originally for Jimmy Garoppolo at thirty to one was a little bit crazy. I personally took a little piece of thirty to one. That number has since plummeted down to fifteen to one. Um, so let's talk about kind of the Jimmy G hype train and the top four or five uh, MVP uh, from a book liability standpoint.
2: So Jimmy G actually, with us at least, hasn't taken a lot of action to win the MVP. we're looking at low five-figure loss on him which is reasonable all things considered uh more action came in at patrick mahomes at 55 to 1 now there's the there's the person we definitely don't want to win it Uh, he's being backed by not just chiefs fans but anyone out there who likes a long shot with a decent chance to win it Uh, i don't think he will i mean Brady and Rodgers are still playing. Rogers and Brady are both favorite to win the award. Rogers at plus three fifty. He's the one we've seen a decent amount of action on, but Brady's at five to one. So
0: Yeah, that to me is absolutely crazy for a guy that essentially is his rookie year. Um in a an offense led by injury that you know has been you know kind of dubbed not as explosive um so that's that's kind of um so weird one that's that's a really weird uh kind of take by uh gamblers out there i'm not really sure i I agree with it or or get the the love affair for patrick mahomes off a couple preseason games but that is what it is what else is next
2: uh deshaun watson another one we don't want to win it uh I'd have preferred to back him for comeback player of the year to think he's going to come off that injury and win the MVP. And then we've got him priced at 11 to one. So where's the value there? He's, uh, you know, how healthy is he? I mean, he did get injured early on in the season, which helps his recovery. But so I I think I'd want at least 20s to, to get in on that.
0: Yeah, and you talked about uh, the AP player comeback player of the year, and um, we'll, maybe we'll get into that as well. But, I mean, uh, uh, this is his second ACL, and this situation, um, correct me if I'm wrong, reminds me a little bit of the RG3 situation. I mean, this is Deshaun Watson's second torn ACL, granted on different knees, but, um, you know, a struggling coach and Bill O'Brien, a mobile quarterback, much like RG3, and uh, Mike Shanahan had in Washington. And I just I feel like I've seen this narrative before, and it'll be a real shame for the kid if he, if he can't kind of get off to that start and be the player that, I mean... Again, you know, you had uh, Dabo Sweeney calling him the Michael Jordan of the NFL draft, and there was just so much hype behind him. And he proved everyone right. I mean, I believe he was the number one effective quarterback like of all time, like more effective than Brady and Rogers together for that stretch. Um, at, at different various outlooks. So uh, I'm not surprised that gamblers are, are absolutely looking to back him there. And I I don't think, you know, I think you could have set whatever number you really dreamed out, you ever wanted, and they would have taken it there. So I don't think that you know the. The, the p- type of people that are going to get in bed with the Deshaun Watson MVP don't really care about the number too much, I would agree. I would think anyway. Um, but that's interesting. I can totally see that one along with the Jimmy G hype train. What else do we have?
2: I mean, does anyone really bet numbers anyways nowadays? They're, they're, <laughs> bet, they're betting the name. I could probably take one of those ones out there and put them at even and still see action come exactly. in. No offense, gamblers. <laughs> So so basically those three are are our biggest concern. Uh, Anyone else takes it? I wanted to ask you
0: about a couple others because I think that they maybe present some value. Kirk Cousins at 16 to 1. And the last one I wanted to get kind of your perspective on is if there was a ton of people taking a shot on Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is actually uh, currently off the board at MyBookie.ag. One, is there a reason why Andrew Luck, just to make sure that he comes back? um, And has there been anything before it was pulled?
2: Uh, we just... We we never even put him up. Okay. We just wanted to actually see him come out on the field and play. Uh, well, I watched the game last night. Uh, I think he needs to grow that beard back to tell you. To <laughs> you
0: tell you to them, be honest. That ugly, ugly-ass mustache he had?
2: It, he, he was looking uh, like he'd spent the last two years in his mom's basement playing Madden. <laughs> so so we'll, we'll see how he does. But now that he, he did get out there uh, yesterday, through a pick... Uh, we'll we'll throw him back up this week. I I would think it. I'd probably go
0: 30 to 1 on him. I like that. You might get a little nibble from me then, absolutely. Um so that'll that'll kind of uh, wrap up the um the NFL side of kind of liability and futures. Um besides for one one novelty prop bet that I want to talk to you about because I absolutely love that you guys put this up there. Um and that is Mike Gundy. For anyone that hasn't seen kind of what, what is going on with our, is he, a, I'm, a, I'm a man, he's a boy, our favorite NCAA coach out there. MyBookie.ag hung a prop out there of basically who will Mike Gundy blame for the loss of his mullet. Uh, let me just run through these odds real quick because I think it's absolutely awesome that you guys are, are able to kind of do this stuff. So first we have, will, will um, Mike Gundy bring back the Arkansas waterfall mullet in time for bedlam yes minus 160 no at plus 120 the next one is who will mike gundy blame for having to cut his mullet wife minus 250 parents plus 300 sons plus 500 pastor, six to one, university administration, six to one, extended family, 15 to one, or all the above at 25 to one. So number one is what I want to know is, how are you going to grade this? What um, what kind of show or how are you going to get the timestamp or how is that going to go? Because you know that some degenerate out there is going to bet this for whatever limit you have and call you all upset saying that he blamed somebody else in some various media article first. And how did you guys come up with this?
2: Well, I'm, I'm somewhat of an expert on mullets, having had three myself in my life. Uh <laughs> and, and I know for a fact that when you grow your mullet, it's 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 a lifestyle change. You know, you have to deal with the ridicule, but you still have to hold your head high. I mean, you've never seen someone who has a mullet who lacks confidence. <clears throat> the time it takes to grow one means that you're not cutting it off without some serious outside pressure. Uh he's married, so based solely off my situation that Pressure always came from my wife. Uh, whether or not he blames her, you know, that's another story because, you, you know, you can't blame your wife for anything without hearing it. So, you know, he might might stick it on to his parents or possibly the damn dean in the university administration. So how we're going to grade that, hopefully a reporter asks him in the interview why he cut his mullet and he spits out one of the above, uh, but not all of the above
0: yeah no that is what will, what will be the um the case if it's some of the above but not all of the above say it is parents and university administration would both cash one cash or how would that work whoever you blames first
2: i guess we'd have to uh do a dead heat you know like a tie in golf we would split the uh odds and pay out both
0: absolutely awesome man and that that is again why one of the reasons why i, I absolutely love everything about my and everything they, they do and again you know from me in Vegas, you guys have the the opportunity to to kind of have some fun with gambling, and what that's what it's all about in Las Vegas with the gaming commission. Those type of things can't be done. But um, again, man, I wanted to thank you for your time, and I just wanted to have you kind of switch hats for a minute. Uh, anything from the futures market that kind of stuck out to you, maybe as a gambler that you saw value on that you kind of um, think is you know possibly a good bet for any listeners out there, um, and then just anyone looking to kind of play the futures market for what advice you would give them.
2: So, I'm big on the Broncos. I like the offense. I like that move of Case Keenum. Uh, defense is strong. Uh, twelve to one to win the AFC, I think it's definitely worth a shot. Uh, you know, they could face off the Pats uh, in New England, and and they could win. So I think if you're looking for a long shot play, the Broncos at twelve to one to win the AFC Championship, and they're up thirty-three to one to win the Super Bowl. So if you like uh, throwing your money away and watching it burn up in glory in the AFC Championship game, I I would highly suggest putting a few dollars on the Broncos. Uh, For people that are betting futures, uh, this is kind of counterproductive because of course you should always bet at my bookie no matter what you do, but when it comes to the futures you really want to shop around because all books are going to have different prices and you want to bet the best price that's out there, whether that's with one of my competitors or with us from a gambling standpoint. In order to maximize your return, you really need to look around and get the best price.
0: Yeah, and again, with legalization everything that's upcoming, you know, a Foxwoods in Connecticut may hang a completely different number on the New England Patriots than, you know, the Westgate in Las Vegas. Uh, conversely, MyBookie.ag may have a completely different number than, you know, um, on LSU to win than Louisiana when that becomes legal there. So, again... That's just another wrinkle that's possibly you know, been added to this year with legalization in different markets. And again, the introduction of prop swap and being able to kind of scalp and buy and sell tickets. I think those are all great points. To so your Denver point, I-, I couldn't agree more. Number one, I think that Case Keenum has probably won me the most money out of anyone in the league when he was in Houston in the NCAA. Him and Colt Brennan were absolute over machines and team total over machines. Um, and he's you know, beyond competent. Um, secondly, what is your take on Chad Kelly this year? Kid looks like an absolute stud. <sighs>
2: I don't know. Are you going to trade for Keenum and then, you know, put your backup or your, your drafted quarterback in there? I agree.
0: I think that he may I be a I year or two so. away.
2: I mean, That's Keenum, right. you let him,
0: Keenum only signed you know, a one or two-year deal, right?
2: Keenum. Yeah. And he can learn behind Keenum. You know, he is a veteran nowadays. Uh, it seems amazing to say. You you were talking about his his Houston days, but I guess time really does fly. So for me, I would keep Kelly on the bench, let him learn, and ease him into it. There's no real reason to throw him out there to the Wolves, basically.
0: Couldn't agree with you more, but I think he's somebody to look out for down the line. I mean, well, well, that will absolutely cover it for the futures edition. And again, um, I can't thank you enough for kind of entering this partnership um, with myself and the Sports Gaming Podcast and the Inside Vegas Podcast to kind of come on weekly and give, you know, 10 to 15 minutes on, on the weekly NFL side of, of kind of books, liability, professional um, and public action. I think it'll be kind of invaluable to get that second look and that look behind the counter, man. So on behalf of everyone at the SGP Network, man, thank you so much for taking the time and thank you so much for uh, the future. And here's to a a long um, and informative relationship between the two of us, man. Thank Thank you so much. Sounds good. Looking forward to next week.